Hey, are you hiring but not sure where to find the best candidates? As a business owner, I can tell you that your company is only as good as the people you hire. I can also tell you that posting your job in one place isn't enough to find quality candidates. But when you're short-staffed, there's no time to deal with dozens of different job sites. Until now. Thanks to ZipRecruiter.com, I can post to 100 job sites with just one click and have the highest possible chance of finding that perfect candidate. Just post once within 24 hours and watch your candidates roll into ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. ZipRecruiter has been used by over 300,000 businesses, and you can try it right now for free. F-R-E-E-E-E. Free. Getting the right people for your company is so important. Try ZipRecruiter and get your perfect candidate before they go to somebody else, like my ex-girlfriend. Today, you can try ZipRecruiter for free, like I just said. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash podcast. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash podcast. And just in case you didn't hear me, ZipRecruiter.com slash P-O-D-C-A-S-T podcast. See ya. Greetings, everybody. Um, welcome to another installment of Innovation Crush. My name is Chris Denson. And in case you haven't tuned in before, uh, this show covers all things marketing, innovation, ideas, robotics. <laughs> Today, yes. we never talked about robotics before, but we will. Um, and before we do that, I want to say hello to Paula Miranda. Well, hello. You know what? You just you set a record today. You I did. you are the first repeat guest co-host. You Boom. Know, bam. Boom. And you're That's not a robot. That's what I want to hear. And I'm actually not a robot. You're not oh. a robot. You can do the. Um, by I the can, way, I, I can do the robot. As I've been prepping Dance. for this show, I've, I've been thinking of about a dozen jokes along that line. Um, uh, I'll tell you one later, but I'm sure you know all of them. Dennis Hong, say hello. Hi, everybody. My name is Dennis Hong. Thanks for having me today. Uh, thanks for being here. Thank you. Are you excited? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love talking about robots. Nice. That's what we're going to do. I, I guess for starters, I'm going to give you an easy question. Sure. Define the term robot. Robot. Uh, robot is a useful tool. It's a machine, but it's an intelligent machine. And again, depending on who you talk to, robot can mean different things. But for me, it's still a tool. Nice. Mm. Now, Webster says, <laughs> yes. a real or imaginary machine that is controlled by a computer and is often made to look like a human or animal. I see. Is that limited? Uh, now, first of all, robot. Do you have, like any of you uh, listeners, do you have a robot vacuum cleaner at home? The one, uh, one, of the, one of the robots? They have these, like the Roomba kind of thing. It looks like a big pancake that goes around. I there. don't have a Roomba. I, it's, it frightens me. Yeah, but I, I've, uh, my, my mom has one. Okay. But it's very popular. I'm sure a lot mm -hmm. of people, listeners, have it. But does that, does that robot, it's a robot, but it doesn't look like a janitor. It does not. <laughs> so a robot doesn't have to look like a human being. Right. Right? So, um, so, so give me, I guess, the 101 on who you are, your career thus sure. far, and uh, we'll start there, and then I'll get into sure. a little bit more. Again, my name is Dennis Hong. I'm a professor at UCLA in the Department of Mechanical and Aerospace Engineering, also the director of Romela, the Robotics and Mechanism Laboratory, also at UCLA. Now, how did this all come to fruition for you? Like, where did, where did you get a start? And, uh, I mean, obviously, you're at the apex of this, of this industry and this thinking. Uh -huh. But, um, but where, where, does that, where does that begin for you? Sure. True story. When I was seven years old, I watched the movie Star Wars for the first time. I'm not talking about episode one, two, three. I don't consider that Star Wars. <laughs> That's not Star Wars. The first one, episode four. And the robots, R2D2, C3PO, and all the spaceship, it just completely blew my mind. And that very day, 
on my way back home in the car, I told my mom and dad I'm going to be a robot scientist, and I'm here today. Amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm living my dream and having too much fun. Shout out to George Lucas. <laughs> <Shout> out. <laughs> um, so um, when you know when you think about um, the idea of what robotics is, right? Mm-hmm. The, you know, you've identified seven species of robots, uh, right? And you know, I've been doing a lot of t- conversation around mm-hmm. artificial intelligence versus machine learning versus yes. robotics. Like, where do you draw those lines for, you know, kind of just for a little bit of one-on-one for the audience, but just also just, you know, scientifically, where do you draw sure. those lines? So, I mean, robotics is a very wide field from mechanical engineering, computer science, electrical engineering. You need everything because it's really, you need everything to do it. Robots have all different shapes and sizes. Again, at the beginning, I talked about uh, robot vacuum cleaner. So when I say robot, what comes to your mind? What kind of robots do you but you know think like robot? I just think electronics. Electronics. Like- I go Buck Rogers. Remember, Buck Rogers. Remember, uh, <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> so if you, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I wouldn't have. I literally, that was almost a trick question. That is. You don't remember Buck Rogers? No, I don't. Oh, Sorry. man. Were you, were you raised in Puerto Rico? Or did you? Were you uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right. No, right. So, but, you know, I'm sorry. Sorry. So, and, park. If, yeah. you, if you ask people, like, if you say robot, what comes into your mind? People say Terminator, or, you know, they talk about science fiction movies and novels. And most of the time in science fiction and pop culture, robots are uh, depicted in the humanoid form. Two legs, two arms, torso, and a head. But again, in real life, your, your car is actually built by robots. And these robots in the factory, they don't look like a human being. It's just a big arm picking up things and doing welding. So for me, robot is just a tool. Uh, the famous architect Louis Sullivan once said, form follows function, which means that the shape of an object is dictated by what it needs to do. So depending on what, what the robot needs to do, the shape and size could be all different things. For me, again, I do a lot of different type of robots. I have rolling robots, climbing robots, humanoid robots, chemically actuated robots, amoeba robots, six leg, eight legs, three leg robots, no leg robots, all, you know, it's we have many, many different things. And the reason why it's all different shape is because it's the right size for its application. It's the right topology, the shape for its what it needs to do. That's what I was going to ask. Like, what's the smallest? Mm. And then on the grandest scale, what's the smallest robot that you yeah, have so developed in, or worked Yeah, on? in the research community in robotics, people also do nanorobotics. So these mm-hmm. are like, uh, I don't know if you uh, read a novel about the dust robots. These are like yes. robots, particle. That's still science fiction, but actually uh, roboticists do study and do research on those small things. And the big size, probably the robot that I'm developing might be the biggest one. It's a three-story high, 10-meter tall walking robot. Uh, called uh, taller. We're working on the, those kind of crazy ideas too. Huh. Yeah. Now, what is, like, where's the practical application, right? Like, sure, you yeah. know, I, I saw you on uh, mm-hmm. Morgan Morgan Spurlock's oh, show, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And you know, a lot of it was like humanoid robots are built to a certain design because of how humans have built the things around us. True. Like doorknob handles are a certain height. Absolutely. Stairs are a certain height from one another. Mm-hmm. So the the you know the types of mechanics that you put into them kind of our our response to man-made design. Sure. sure. Um, But where does does the practicality of taller (laughs) come in? Very good question. So I need to describe this robot first. It's a 10-meter tall, three-story high walking robot. It has three legs. So think of a camera tripod. Tripod, tripod, but a huge tripod. It's also my nickname, by the way. Oh, is that right? (laughs) 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 So uh, I don't know if you read H.G. Wells' uh, War of the Worlds, or it was also a movie. In these movies, they described these alien creatures that has three legs and walks. Let's think of that. But 
this robot that we're creating is not to terrorize humans. <laughs> uh, so there's uh, actually real practical applications. Number one, it's very tall. So we have a very high vantage point. So it could be good for surveillance, for example. Another thing is in the war zone, you have these communication towers and the battalions, they move around. So it can be a walking communication tower, right? But the coolest thing is with this robot, we're changing the paradigm of mobility. For example, a lot of these autonomous car robots, they use a technology called obstacle avoidance, which means that as a car, the robot moves around, it has a sensor in the front, it needs to detect the uh, the obstacles and needs to think how to avoid the obstacles. And that's very difficult to do. But if you have a three-story high walking robot, do you avoid the obstacles? No, you just step over it. Hmm. If you have a car in front of you, I don't care, I step over it. If there's a house in front of me, I step over it. If there's water, I can go across. Densely vegetated area, you can actually spear like chopsticks and go over. So because it's tall and it's skinny and has three legs, changing the, the paradigm of right. mobility, for example. Now, how far along in the development process are you, and 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 what would be a length of time? Let's sure. just stick with taller for a second. Yeah, right. You know, from from concept to like wherever you are mm-hmm. at this point. Now, uh, by the way, we're working on a research uh, research project. So, just because we completed the research project and have a prototype, does not mean that this is going to be deployed immediately. Sure, uh, it's about uh, generating new knowledge. So I'm not going to walk outside and, no. and that's how you got here today. <laughs> <laughs> it's waiting outside right now. Exactly. Uh, no, but uh, this project is ongoing. We're currently making a uh, one-third scale model that's walking. And again, research, when you do research, if you know you can do it, if you know that there's a solution, then you don't call it research, you call it homework. Research means that we do not know if this is even possible, but we're challenging it. So currently we build a uh, three, uh, one-third scale model, but we're starting to encounter unforeseen problems. Like for example, now it's really tall, you have vibration problems, wind gusts, and all those kind of things. And as researchers trying to solve those kind of problems and create new technology. But uh, uh, we still have two years left and we'll see how it goes nice yeah so um star wars was kind of your like yes. you know your your genesis if you will yes um and then that's wh- what taller sounds like to me though like what's that one i'm i've watched the movie but i couldn't mm. tell you oh i know they're about. like fighting each other and sh- yes the yeah, one the four-legged are, ones oh yeah. AT, AT robot yes, yes. Uh, yeah. I, hope, I hope i had no star wars fans listening i <laughs> sound like a jerk to them <laughs> that guy botched the entire series um so yeah so you, you graduate with a, a degree in mechanical engineering yes. 1990-ish or somewhere around yes, there yes, yes. um but over the past 20 years mm-hmm. obviously we've leapfrogged in technological capability yes so kind of uh, you know if you could walk us through a little bit of sure. what's developed over the years what was sure. you know what was happening then versus yeah. now yeah, yeah. So in the 70s, uh, scientists and engineers, we had these like uh, rosy dream of the picture of robots. Oh, we can build these robots, going to do everything at home. It's going to do the dishes, clean, you know, clean the up Jetsons. the room. Mm-hmm. Jetsons, uh, the rosy, the robot. We had yeah. this dream about the robots. But that time, we did not have the computing power. We didn't have the PC. We didn't have the computer. So things were not possible. But we are still successful robots. These are dumb robots, as you call. Uh, These are repetitive robots. Again, as I mentioned, these are robot arms used in a uh, factory. They don't think. They just repeat the task. And it was successful. Now, in the late 80s and early 90s, now we have these 
the PC boom. We have small and cheap and very, very powerful computers. And these computers are the brains for the robots. So now we can do things that we dreamt in the 70s. So that's where I'm starting to see this boom in robotics. However, now we're seeing these other bottlenecks. For example, we're encountering so many problems. We still need better material, lighter, stronger materials. We need better actuators. We currently use these mortars, but it does not function like uh, the biological muscle. Right. Uh, power sources. Your cell phone lasts like barely a day or two days. We need better power sources. The robots that we develop, they last only for 30 minutes. And how can you use these robots in real life if they only last for 30 minutes? So there's still a lot of other bottlenecks that uh, uh, you know hold us back. However, we need to still uh, continue and do you know generate new technology so that we can reach our dreams. And so does your work take it, you know, do you go out and source technology or are you creating the technologies that kind of mm. can help you advance your work? Right? Yeah, like, both. Yeah. Okay. So as I mentioned, robotics is such a you know wide field. Sure. You cannot do everything on your own. Uh, you need to know so many things. That that's why collaboration is very important. So again, it's a research product. So we create new technology, but it's based on other technology other researchers has have developed, and then we work with other uh, researchers as well. Now you mentioned like um, you know we talk about the Jetsons mm-hmm. and not the Jeffersons. That would be a whole different. That would be interesting <laughs> if the Jeffersons were a robot family. Um, Wheezy. Um, no. But <laughs> if uh, where, where do we draw the line between art imitating science and mm-hmm. science imitating art, right? Like even for example, the X Prize, mm-hmm. they introduced a couple of years ago a tricorder prize, right? Uh, like whoever can make a tricorder, mm-hmm. you know, the thing from Star Trek where mm-hmm. you can scan your body and get results, mm-hmm. will give whatever you know. Uh, so like a boundary between machine and human is that? Sort of no, like you know, like like your influence from Star Wars, right? How much does that play into what oh, you design? Yeah, 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 and yeah. just in the in the robotics. Community, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. How much are we developing what we've seen versus like sure. just inventing from from blue sky? Yeah. So again, we get inspired all the time. Like for me, uh, again, I started. You know, it's Star Wars really started my my dream. Uh, so let's talk about science fiction movies. Science fiction movies help us and they hurt us. They help us because they inspire us. Like as I mentioned, Star Wars, R two D two, C three PO. I don't know how much you know about my robots, but if you look at all the robots I developed. They're creepy. You know, they're cool. Yeah. Okay, let's say <laughs> creepy, creepy cool. cool. Creepy yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, okay, go ahead. We'll meet you halfway. Their movements can, they're are... Mo- yeah. There's a hint of R2-D2 and C-3PO in them. It's not intentional, but I think it's subconsciously I was, you know. But anyway, uh, yeah, but robots could be any shape and sizes. We get uh, inspired by uh, science fiction. But also at the same time, uh, we have a lot of people come uh, visit our lab and they see our robots walking and doing things. And they go, wow, really amazed. And about five seconds, the kids say, oh, can it do this? Can it, like, lift this desk with one hand? Can it run around and jump? And I say, no, we don't have that capability yet, but we're working on it. And they say, no, 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 I saw it last week. Of course they saw it in TV. <laughs> right. So science fiction uh, raises everybody's uh, expectations too high. Right. The things that you see on TV and things like that, we have a long, long way to go. So it helped, it, it hurts us because it raises everybody's uh, expectations. But the more difficult problem is, uh, and then they ask, when is going to, Get, you know, when his eyes going to turn red and turn against human right. beings and things like, oh, Skynet things, it's, you know, the Terminator, those kind of mm-hmm. things. So people always think... So when uh, is Taller going to smash everybody? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because in Hollywood, the robots are always portrayed as the bad guys. Right. So it gives us a bad rep too. <laughs> so how do you, and how do you overcome that perception, right? How do you how do you go like reintroduce the friendliness and yeah, the service? Because yeah. you like it sounds like everything you're doing is all about some form of service, whether it's, sure. you know... Absolutely. Going through rubble yeah. to find somebody or, you know... Whatever. Yeah, so again... 
we as researchers, we present our work, technical work, but I also give a lot of public talks that actually truly explain what we're doing. We're developing technology that will help society, give people happiness and help them. Uh, these robots that can, you know, the, for the human robots that we're developing, the new technology mm -hmm. can be used for better prosthetic legs. Uh, uh, the aging population is increasing really fast. In the in, in the future, we want to have robots that can help people everyday life in the in the home for the elderly or the people who are disabled. Uh, a really cool project that we're working on right now is a disaster relief robot. It's a humanoid robot. Human. It's a rescue robot. So the exact model is uh, uh, going to be used for the Fukushima Daiichi nuclear power plant. A few years ago mm -hmm. in Japan, there was a huge accident. Uh, the experts say that in the first 24 hours, if somebody could have just opened one valve we could have prevented all the thing, but because of the radiation, people kind of go. So what do you do? We're developing robots that will uh, be used in those kind of radiation environments. So this robot is truly a robot to save people's lives, truly to save humanity. We're right. building mm. superhero robots. And so it's true, yeah. What is the timeline on that? Okay. Because that sounds like something we need. Yeah. Immediately. <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to have uh, man made disasters, natural disasters, going to mm -hmm. happen all the time. We're working really hard. It's not just us, but it's, a, it's an international competition. It's called the DARPA Robotics Challenge. The first place winner gets $2 million cash, but nobody's working on this for the money. What we're trying to do is really. You sure? Uh, yeah, ask, <laughs> ask anybody. It is $2 million. Uh, yeah. That's a lot of robots. <laughs> yes, but. <laughs> Truly, through this project, we're trying to develop technology that one day will save, if it can save even one person's life, then everything's worth it. That's why we're doing this. Right. It's a competition. The final competition is this year in June in Pomona, California, not too far from here. And you'll see teams from all around the world with their robotic uh, uh, creation, climbing stairs, driving cars, opening doors, closing valves, using power tools, and you'll see some really spectacular things. Is, uh, is George, George Lopez going to be there? Uh, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I have a question about that because you're yes. talking about how you have like these kids that come in and yeah. Yeah. And tour and so forth. My daughter, she actually is 16. She goes to Venice High School and mm -hmm. she's in the STEM program there. Mm -hmm. So she's on the biomed side, but she's fascinated by the engineering side still. Yes. Um, do you do you foresee that there's like kids her age that are already working on projects to where they could actually uh, be compete? with your team that you have at UCLA? Yeah, as well? in the States, in the United States, there's a lot of good robotics programs. Uh, there's a lot of competitions. Uh, one competition is called FIRST, F-I-R-S-T, uh, uh, for Inspiration for uh, Science and uh, Technology, FIRST. It's a great program. A lot of, it's a high school and uh, also elementary school. Uh, these programs are great. They develop these robots. They have competitions. Mm -hmm. And as a matter of fact, they also have these like Lego Mindstorm, uh, they program it, they build it. Those robots are actually almost the same as the robots that we built. We hmm. have the robot, the small one has sensors. Our robots have sensors. We have computers. Those small robots have computers. They program it. They react to it. They actually do work. So it's the same thing. It's the yeah. only difference is if you have a lot of huge budget, you build robots like what we make. <laughs> if you don't have a lot of <laughs> like budget, that's you cool for you little $20. <laughs> <laughs> well, but along those lines, yeah, I mean, you, you bring up a good point, right? When you think about STEM education and kids who are building bionic arms mm -hmm. and, you know, uh, 3D printing organs and, you're just coming up with all these things on their own, seemingly, mm -hmm. and and you're an educator, you know, professor Absolutely. at UCLA. Mm -hmm. Like, where does where do you close the gap between what kids are already able to do? You know, even at what 16? Or I mean, younger at 12 yeah. years old, there was a kid. versus. Oh, sorry, yeah. Well, I was gonna, just going to say, at 12 years old, there was a kid from her middle school yes. at the STEM program she was yes. at, who ended up actually being hired by Apple wow. to go and work. Fantastic. Under, yeah, um, you know, like that's. They, they, 
Kids aren't made like they used to be made. Exactly. <laughs> and they're making stuff like that, unlike we used to. Like I, was, I remember Lincoln Logs, and I still couldn't figure those out. But uh, but no, like where do you bridge the gap? Like what do you, you know, what, especially the, I'm imagining the students that come into your program are sure. pretty advanced, mm-hmm. right? Um, so how do you, what are you teaching them? And, like, and, and can educational systems catch up? Yeah, so even in kids with the right guidance and the right support, they can really achieve great things. Do you uh, hear this, Brooklyn? <laughs> <laughs> That's my daughter. So the one thing, <laughs> but one thing is this. There's a lot of kids who love robotics. It's cool. Right. It's fun. But just with the, you know, the creative mind, with the, the skill with your hands, they can make things. Doesn't mean that you can actually generate, uh, do true robotics research that will change the world. Just with the skills and the passion and the imagination, you can be a great roboticist as a hobbyist. If you really want to go beyond that and become a robotic researcher that will change the world, then that's when all the courses that you take in school is important. Math, science, all these courses, you need those. As roboticists, uh, science is the tool to do robotics, and mathematics is a language to do science. So having a very strong background in science and uh, mathematics is essential to actually become a robot researcher, not just a robot hobbyist. Right. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Uh, so when you think about like, um, you know, we were joking earlier about like, oh, when, how, how far are we off, right? It, it, what's been the prevention so far? Is it cost? You know, because uh, mm. for instance, at CES, it was robot galore. There was one yeah. booth that actually was unmanned, right? There were a lot of uh, beam robotics, right? Yeah, and they yeah. had there, these, yeah. the two-way thing. Um, and then you have the Oshbot, which lows, you know, you can show it a screw and it'll tell you where it is in the store. Mm-hmm. Um, but none of these have reached like a critical mass. Yeah, so again, depending on who you talk to, uh, like uh, if you go to YouTube, you can watch a bunch of robotics videos and these robots really cool. They walk and do great things. However, uh, people should know that uh, most all researchers, if, if not all researchers, that when they put on videos on YouTube, that's after like 30 takes of video and they just use the best one. I'm guilty as charged as well. I do that to everybody does that we still have it's like a, a selfie it's like me and my selfie <laughs> yeah. my phone is filled with them and I was like oh that one now let me change the lighting and, uh. Uh, but really we have a long way to go we, we came a long way since the 70s as I mentioned uh, that the robotic the, 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 we're at a very interesting point this is at the verge of something happening big but still we have a long way to go so the things that you see on YouTube or on the, t- the TV those kind of things uh, still we have a long way to go however uh, yeah it's kind of interesting so um we have a lot of limitations. I think even if we have the technology right now that can actually build the Rosie the robot that can do the dishes and clean up the room and take out the trash, let's say we have that technology. If we build that robot, it's going to cost more than a Lamborghini or a Ferrari. Who would buy that? Because right. it's so expensive. So I think we'll start to see robots used in real life where cost is not an issue. For example, when human lives are on stake, medical robots Military robots, disaster relief robots. You'll probably see these robots used in these areas where cost is not an issue. Right. And then when you start to produce more robots, naturally the cost goes down and then might be used for uh, you know, domestic use slowly. What's your dream with all this? Oh, my dream? Uh, it's interesting because I work on many different projects. Uh, I build a uh, completely autonomous vehicle. So there's a car that obeys all the rules of the road and can drive to its destination. Uh, we developed a car, the world's very first car that a blind person can drive. Are we building disaster relief robots, humanoid robots, chemically actuated robots, all different type of things. Every time I get this question, what's your ultimate dream? What's your, what, what's your ultimate robot? My answer is always, always the same. The project that I'm working right now. 
Right. When I was working on the blind driver challenge, this car where a blind person can drive, that was really my dream. I wanted to develop technology that will give freedom and independence for the visually impaired. So that was my goal and achieved it. Now, if you ask me, I'll say the same thing. I'm developing robots for disaster relief that will save people's lives, to save humanity. And I'm not exaggerating. This is my dream. Mm-hmm. Right now, if you ask me again after a year, it might be something different. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of uh, like other in a year, I understand you're a chef and a magician. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> how do those things relate? And you know, I always think about like r- true innovators as multi hyphenates, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and they're usually skilled at a f- few different things. Yes. And there's principles that you pull, like what, however you flavor or plate certain things, uh-huh. or an illusion you create. Like you mentioned, like oh, that was thirty takes on, yes. <laughs> <laughs> on the video. <laughs> that was a different illusion. But no, like. So um, tell us a little bit about your other passions. Sure. So again, uh, everybody knows me as a roboticist, but also I'm a, a very serious uh, a gourmet chef. Uh, I was on U, uh, the Master Chef USA season four, by the way. Oh, wow. Yeah, wow. So, yeah, and I have a cookbook deal in Korea. Wow. Uh, I'm a magician. I've been on TV twice, and I give uh, a two-hour charity uh, lectures on the science and psychology of uh, uh, magic. It's actually a magic show, and you know, disguised as a lecture, but I do those. Also, I design. Uh, I help design rides for amusement parks. So I have four dreams: being a roboticist, a chef, a magician, and a design, a theme park uh, a ride designer. So I actually have a bestseller book in Korea, it's written in Korea. But when I wrote that book, I wrote those four dreams, and I was actually thinking, I have these four dreams, but there must be some common theme between these sure. four. But it's robots to cooking to magic. It doesn't make sense. But I actually found the common theme between these four. Do you know what that is? All these four things is to give people happiness. Huh. I'm doing robotic technology to give people happiness to, you know, uh, you know, help society. Cooking, I create new culinary dishes and when my friends and family eat them, we, we share the joy. Magic, mm-hmm. I surprise people and give them joy and entertainment. Amusement part, right, of course. So I found that as a common thing. And also four things all need creativity. Right. Yeah. So uh, I know that, that I mean that is it, it's it's perfect and it, and it is uh, you're obviously super passionate about all those things I would oh, say yes. equally right is that or is equally but uh, a robotics is my job that pays for right. everything right now well also <laughs> I mean you idea. know I, I think we all sort of run into this issue of you know personal brand. Right. When you, how do you want to be seen in the world? We all want to be seen for all of our talents and all of our interests. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, like you mentioned, uh, uh, Paula's a, a blogger and an actress and a yes. host and and a mom and mm-hmm. you know all these things. And depending on who you're talking to, like yeah. you're going to lead with you the thing you think is the yes. You know, so how do you how do you handle your own personal brand uh-huh. out in the world? Right? Uh, for me, again, you know what I want people to see me, how they want want them to see me, and what people see me might be different. People see me as a roboticist. People who in the culinary uh, in the side who knows my ate my culinary dishes they say oh Dennis is a fantastic chef but uh, uh, as a bestseller author most of the people in Korea however for me I'm an educator so my lab is called Romela the Robux and Mechanisms Laboratory it's very well known in the field mm-hmm. uh, but my the Romela's the the ultimate the the most important uh, uh, product is not our robots. It's not the technology that we develop. It's not the papers or the, the thesis or the lectures that we give. The most important product from my lab, Romela, is our students. I, know, I want to develop the leaders in the field, the researchers, roboticists, leaders, as engineers that will change the world. I want more Dennis Hongs in the world. So for right. me, my most biggest pride is not the robotic technology, it's my students. So I would like to see, want people to see me as an educator. That's 
Well, it's, it's, it's the inspiration and in, in part sparking the you know the next creator. Mm. Yes. Um, right. How many students have you have you seen come go through your program? Oh, a lot. So again, it's difficult difficult to count because you have graduate students, undergraduate students. Mm-hmm. If you count all of them, more than hundred. Yeah, that's great. I guess yeah. You know, and they're doing all great. They're they're professors. They're doing great in industry, and they're the leaders in the field. And they make me really, really proud. That's great. Yeah. No, it, it's funny. I, I mean, I spent some time at the AFI Digital Content Lab, and mm-hmm. we would make these projects. There were four of us who ran the lab, but then we would get volunteer mentors from all around the world to come help us make make stuff up, right? Yeah. Kind of the kind of what you're doing, but more yeah. like technology and entertainment and, and filmmaking and all these different things. So, um, and because we were a nonprofit organization. Mm-hmm. Every project that we did just went out into you know the universe's open IP. Yeah, and but we did an event every year. It was like four hundred people as part of the AFI Fest, and it's like, please take this thinking and do something with it. Mm-hmm. Like, do you feel you know? Do you feel like your job is being done in that in that regard? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, if you want to make money, you don't become a professor. By the way, <laughs> I'm a professor. <laughs> That's um, why you got all those other side jobs. Yeah. You're like, I gotta do some magic or cook someone or write a book or something. <laughs> for, for me, money doesn't drive me. Even my bestseller book in Korea, all the proceedings goes to uh, helping people, uh, the visually impaired. I don't get a dime from it. Uh, so money is not my driving force. Uh, for example, even the technology they developed, uh, one of the very, very successful robots that we developed is called Darwin OP. It's a small humanoid robot for research and education. Thousands of v- units are being used worldwide. But that robot, we spent more than seven years in the development and research. And I decided to completely open up as open source. Yeah. Awesome. So that robot was designed for research and education. And uh, when I decided to uh, open up for free, actually, my friends and family, and you know, they've been like poking me like, hey, Dennis, <laughs> if you sell this, you can become a billionaire or just, you know, does a licensing fee. You can get, you can right. make a lot of money. <laughs> and then it started me to like, oh, because I, I'm not really that interested in money. So I was like, oh, should I maybe? And I, I was a little confused. In life, whenever I'm in this situation where I do not know what to do, I always ask this question to myself. And that always solves the problem. The question is this. Why did I start this at the first place? I asked that question to myself. So I said, hmm, should I open this up for free or sell it? Why did I start this project for the first place? It was for research and education robotic platform. So the right answer is to open it up. Right. So I decided yeah. to open up. It's on, on everything. Technical detail is online for free. You can use it. People are building robots based on that. And among the many robots project, probably one of the most that uh, makes me most proud is this robot. Because if you go to robotics conference these days, you see a bunch of research and papers uh, published and new knowledge in robotics created using my son, this robot Darwin OP. And I believe that's the highest impact uh, among the many projects I worked on. Now, can I ask you with you were mentioning like you know with the with this Darwin robot mm-hmm. and so forth like are, is that something that they're incorporating in schools for kids of all ages to kind of also have the technology push mm. push that you see happening in, in schools yes. everywhere. Yes. Uh, so this robot is actually not cheap. It's actually very, very expensive by nature. This is not a toy. It's a research platform. So mm-hmm. yes, it's used for schools, mostly in universities or in graduate schools or research labs, mm-hmm. not in the K-12 because it's too expensive for that. But mm-hmm. yes. Now, I also know you you travel a ton. Yes. Right? For our scheduling this, you're yeah, like, I'm, I'm, I'm oh, yeah, I'm I just like, came <laughs> back from Turkey, and uh, next week I'm going to Korea and the travel around. Yeah, so, I, I, so I don't know how you're teaching your kids. You're just, <laughs> <laughs> I'll be back. Video <laughs> conferencing is it's my savior. Time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah, two way bracket. Yes. I forgot who I was talking to. Um, but no, what, what are some of the, you know, the 
the differences you see internationally when it comes to robotics versus mm. what the U.S. is. Are we ahead? Are we behind? Yeah. Um, is Turkey beating us? Yeah, <laughs> or is it question. even a competition? Uh, so let's talk, talk about Japan and United States because there's a very a big difference. Now, in Japan, when you see robots, if you look at all the robots that Japanese researchers are doing, they're fantastic. They look cool. They have all these covers that move. The demos are great. Uh, and if you talk to the Japanese researchers, they say, oh, robots are naturally human robots and robots are naturally uh, robots that will help people because they've been growing up. They grew up watching these anime characters like Astro Boy and right. these kind of robots. And they are always human form and they save the world. So that's the mentality. In the United States, you say robots. Most of people think, oh, Terminator. Yeah. Right? Right. So robots like, are run, a scary Run the thing. other way. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's the, the mentality is different. In terms of the actual technology, uh, Japanese robotic researchers are their their uh, research has a a very finished nice product. So they actually have really nice working robots. The robots are the product. In the United States, that's not the necessary thing. In robotics, in the United States, researchers are working on the fundamental science of things. Hmm. So if you compare in general, the robots, the actual products, Japanese robots are much faster than the United States. Like the one that kicked the soccer ball to President Obama? Yeah, yeah, the Honda Asima, great. Frightened me to death. (laughs) However, something interesting happens here. Now, let's start to talk about humanoid robots. Japan was the king of humanoid robots. Honda, Asimo, HRP2, all these cool humanoid robots were in Japan. Like even five years ago, there were virtually no humanoid robots in the United States. One of my robots called Charlie, cognitive uh, uh, humanoid autonomous robot with intelligence, Charlie, that was considered the United States' very first humanoid robot. But it was not that really great, but it was considered the United States' first. So people thought, oh, Japan is way ahead of the United States. However... When DARPA, DARPA is the research division of the, 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 the Department of Defense, when they announced this competition that DARPA robotics science that I talked about, mm-hmm. there was a need to build humanoid robots. And when they announced it, suddenly in the United States, we have these fantastic humanoid robots. I don't know if you saw Atlas robots from the, uh, the company Boston Dynamics and all these things. Mm-hmm. They yep. kick butt. The Japanese robots don't even compare to these robots. So that's the thing. Because we have the... The, the base, the science and technology, the fundamental science, well, the foundation done, when we need things, we build it. Because the aesthetics just kind of, that That's can happen easily. That almost don't even matter in, in, you yeah. know, in that, in that yeah. regard. So in that sense, uh, United States are ahead of all the other countries in terms, in terms of the, the science part of things, but mm-hmm. still... The fancy robots are from Japan, <laughs> which is oh, I'm not I'm not demanding it. I'm I'm not being sarcastic. They do great work, but right. uh, yeah. Um, so in terms of uh, well, the, the show is called Innovation Crush. Yes. Um, what do you see out in the world that you are crushing on? I mean, taking all your worlds from magic to mm. you know to robotics to food to art mm. to culture. Like, what do you see out there? You go like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. I'm jealous. I wish I had thought of that. Uh, oh, and out, out, what, what I'm jealous about? Yeah, whatever, whatever's getting your goose right now. Well, I don't know what that phrase even means. <laughs> I would say, I, I can say it in very, with great confidence that I'm, at, I'm the happiest man on earth. I love what I do. My job is not a job, it's my hobby. I truly believe that what I do is saving the world. How cool is that? I'm the happiest man on earth. Uh, and, yeah. it, and it shows. Oh yeah. no, it does. Like I'm like you know, it's funny. Like yeah. on occasion, you'll we we don't get we don't get guests that who is as passionate uh-huh. about their work and as as excitable um, and energetic about it. So I 100 uh, percent appreciate that. Um, but I, I stayed up all night last night, and I'm still 
Oh, you're so you, this is just delirium. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I actually hate being here. Yeah. Um, no, I, so uh, last but not least, yes. Uh, complete this phrase for me. Okay. Uh oh. I'm not it, good at these things. But yeah, let's you'll, go be, you'll be fine. Yeah. You're delirious. Um, innovation to me is. Innovation to me is creating the tools for the next generation. See, it was that wasn't too bad, was yeah. it? I got to write it down. Okay. <laughs> Put it on my Facebook page. Uh, what do you get when you cost a tractor with a robot? A trans farmer. Uh, uh, you've been waiting all day. I, it's, it's, it was on my notes, like at the very, at the very beginning. So. You, were hoping, you were hoping he wouldn't give that joke out. <laughs> but but it, transformers are not robots; they're aliens. Uh, Transformer uh, is. <laughs> Actually, there's a really cool story. I'll, I'll send it to you. There's a okay. um, there's two there's a father and son duo in China, and they go around and they collect junk. Oh, I've seen this. And they build like yeah, they build yeah, life size yeah. transformers, yeah. like t- 10, 20, 30 feet cool. high. It's so cool. Wow. So um, on that note, let's see, I enlightened you. Uh, even though you, you said you saw it already. Thank you. Um, no, do you have any final final questions? Well, Paula? you know, I have one question. Please. It's not as robotic oriented, yeah. but yeah. I am a foodie. Yeah. Where? What is your favorite restaurant in LA, and what is your favorite dish to cook? Ah, uh, interesting. So after uh, I was a professor at Virginia Tech for eleven years, and UCLA stole me from VT last year. Mm-hmm. So I'm relatively new to LA. Now, as I mentioned, that as a, you know, I'm a chef. I cook every day at home. The dinner is my job. However, since I moved to LA. I really don't cook that much because there's so many great restaurants out there. I eat out every day, almost every day. Uh, The best, it's difficult to say, but don't laugh, but I love (laughs) In-N-Out. Sorry, but, you know. So says the gourmet chef. (laughs) It's good. It is good. I mean, it's a good good, good call. Yeah. Um, Their fries are made. That wasn't the answer. You were were looking to be blown away, weren't you? I I have to admit I'm a little... <laughs> Underwhelmed. I'm a little perplexed right now. Not really, not umami, or I don't know. Anyhow, but I get it because, especially, I mean, I'm from LA, so I, 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 I try to like portion myself. You know, if you're not from LA, if you're new to LA, oh, Eddie and I was pretty, pretty spectacular. Oh yeah, that's that's the first thing you eat when you get off the plane, yes. and it's the last thing you eat before you get on the yes. plane usually. Yes. All right. Yeah. This time, least. We say last but not least, but now we're going to do the least one. Um, your, I don't know. Let's go. Th- top three robot movie recommendations. Ah, robot movie. So not the it doesn't have to be the great movie, just the robot in the. So it has, yeah, like I'm thinking main. like iRobot, yeah. Wally. Yeah. Um, well said. A uh, Wally. I think it's among the, all the science fiction stuff. Wally is pretty. Uh, 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 realistic, not the later part, but the fr- the beginning of the Wally where it acts as, as a robot. That's pretty uh, uh, accurate. So that's the part where we're all fat and like riding around on like floating. Yeah. <laughs> Terminator is also good because it lets the scientists and engineers think about the important questions about robot ethics. Uh, we, we I always teach our students. We as engineers, we have to be. We have to think. We have to consider the impact of our work to the society. And Terminator is a good movie to actually. Scared of students <laughs> to think about that. So I will say Terminator, uh, Wally, and Aliens. The second one, it's not really a robot per se, but at the end, you know, the Ripley, the the, the exoskeleton thing. Yep. Do you, yeah, that yep, yep, yep. that yep. is pretty badass, and I love that one. So I'll nice. say three, three, three movies. 
Well, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having this me. This has been great. Yeah. Um, everyone, that was Dennis Hong. Uh, um, actually, I am not oh. Dennis Hong. Uh, I'm a robot that Dennis Hong created. <laughs> <laughs> Dennis Hong is working in the lab. I'm, right. uh, I'm his creation. Then you don't have to leave, right? Or, yeah, you, or your battery's continue. running low. <laughs> well, you, thank, thank you, you very much. <laughs> and thank you, Paula, for joining us. Oh, thank you. Uh, everyone, this has been another installment of Innovation Crush, and we will talk to you next time. If you like listening to comedy, try watching it on the internet. The folks behind the Sideshow Network have launched a new YouTube channel called Wait For It. It's got interviews with comedians like Reggie Watts, Todd Glass, Liza Schleichinger, Schleichinger. I've been friends with her for 10 years. One of the funniest people out there, and I still have a hard time with the last name, Liza. Our very own Owen Benjamin, that's me, takes you on a musical journey down internet rabbit holes and much more. You don't have to wait any longer. Just go to youtube.com slash waitforitcomedy. There's no need to wait for it anymore. Because it's here. And it's funny. And I love you. A few days ago, Brooke Tudine posted an inspirational quote on her wall that got 17 likes and 3 comments. Thumbs up, Brooke. Geico also wants to make a comment. In just 15 minutes, you could save hundreds of dollars on your car insurance by switching to Geico. And nothing says inspiration better than saving money. Well, except for those posters that say things like teamwork, excellence, and make it happen. Hashtag keep climbing. Hashtag savings. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance.